Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties VO 101 series. The goal of this series is to provide current and credible information to folks who are newer to the voiceover industry and want to learn more from pros who know. There is so much information out there, and it can be quite overwhelming. We hope to ease those feelings. Each week, we'll have a new topic and occasionally a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Have you joined our weekly email list? Swing by boothbesties.com and shoot us a message with your email and we'll get you added. And if you haven't joined our VO Booth Besties Facebook group, join us there too. As usual, if you have a question as the interview goes on, simply drop it in the chat and we'll do our best to fit it in. Today, especially, we'd love to hear your input. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest and get started with our workday. Over to you, JT. Thank you. If you were with us on Monday, you're already familiar with Steve. And if not, well, he is a an entertainment industry pro with over 17 years in the business. He's a well-rounded TV, film, stage, and voice actor with many audiobook credits to his name. And Steve is here to help review your samples and give actionable feedback and tips. This is going to be fun. So as a reminder, today's samples will be anonymous. And as usual, if you know it's you, you don't need to comment. If you know the person who is speaking, narrating, you don't need to comment, okay? So we want to keep this um, high level, as anonymous as we can, even though we may know who they are. But the goal is to learn, listen, learn, and connect, right? We want to listen to these narration samples. We want to learn. We're going to get feedback from Steve. JT and I may jump in a little bit with some comments, um, but he's our pro today. And we want you guys also to support each other in the feedback or in the, the chat with feedback. If you have some personal experience or if we make a comment and you're like, Ooh, I ha- that happened to me. I know how to fix it. Guys, let's, let's share the love. Okay. So we've put together a checklist of things we'll be listening for as we go along. There's four things. First impression. What do we hear in the first, say, five seconds? Do I want to hear more as a listener? The second thing is technical. Is the overall sound quality good? Are we hearing consistent levels, free from background noise, et cetera? Number three is the performance. Is your tone engaging? Or if you're doing a character voice or an accent, are the characters clear and consistent? Does the sample fit the genre's expectations? Okay, so overall performance. And number four is opportunities. Which areas can you focus on to help elevate your sample? For example, accents, connecting with audience, etc. So with those four things in mind, JT, I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay, um, we're going to actually start off with a nonfiction read as our first example just to get the ball rolling. Nonfiction be, can be uh, a little bit more challenging because of the type of narration. Often, but not always, it might be a little bit drier or a little bit more complex. It's factual, so the character voices and accents don't help the narrator get the listener's attention. So let's see how our first narrator did. Then she needed another hug. Then she thought of one more thing she wanted to tell me. Next, she wanted water. 
I told her we'd get some in the morning and said goodnight. As I closed the door, she called for me again. For the love was all I could think. This is the last thing, I screamed at her in a completely frustrated, unkind tone as the last ounce of my patience slipped away. I love you, she said. There it was. I had ruined a precious moment full of love and turned it into an ugly display of impatience. All right, Steve, you want to jump in? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm trying to take my notes fast and furious here. Um, yeah, so overall, really nice. I I, I enjoyed it. I want to hear more. Um, starting off with what well, was in the first five seconds. Then she needed another hug. Uh, got my attention. Here's one thing I would say about that. Then she she needed a hug. Is kind of starting like midway through a thought, maybe. Um, so I want. So then my mind is kind of stuck, wondering. Well, what came right before this, right? So that might be an opportunity to maybe recut this or edit it in such a way that starts with a concrete beginning. Um, overall, the flow of it was really nice. I like the beginning, middle, end. Uh, some really, really sweet kind of tender moments in in the middle with, you know, for the love was hilarious. <laughs> um, and, and then followed right by that really sweet, I love you, she said, and bringing that kind of, you know, bringing that, that, that down, making it a little softer, a little more sweet and intimate. Um, so really, really nice uh, playing with Emotion, which oftentimes I think people misunderstand about nonfiction, that they think it just has to be a dry read, but obviously not, not, not always the case. I, I really enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, overall, I would say the pacing was comfortable. Um, the first five seconds made me want to hear more, but also it had that, that thing where I wondered what happened right before. So that was really the only, um, opportunity I would say is maybe try recutting that a little bit so that we have a more distinctive, uh, beginning. But overall, I thought this was a really, really solid sample. It made me teary the first time I heard it. I was like, oh my word, I can totally relate to that. So um, just a quick note, uh, some of the samples are a little bit long, so I'm only going to go through the first minute of them, and then we're going to move on to the next. So of the other samples, we're just going to start, and uh, here is our next. Chapter 14, Prisoners of the Draconians. Lying on the ground, panting for breath, Tasselhoff watched as the Draconians prepared to carry off his unconscious friends. The kender was well hidden beneath a bush near the swamp. The dwarf was stretched out next to him, knocked out cold. Tass glanced at him in remorse. He'd had no choice. In his panic, Flint had dragged the kender down in the cold water. If he hadn't clunked the dwarf over the head with his hoopack staff, neither of them would have surfaced alive. He'd hauled the comatose dwarf up out of the water and hidden him beneath a bush. Then Tasselhoff watched helplessly as the draconians bound his friends magically in what looked like strong spider webs. Tass saw that they were all apparently unconscious or dead because they didn't struggle or put up a fight. The kinder did get a certain amount of grim amusement out of watching the draconians try to pick up Goldmoon's staff. 
All right. Well, let's let's jump into it. Uh, again, first five seconds. Now, the reason I say this is because I used to uh, do some casting. I was a casting director for an audiobook co- uh, company, and I would be listening to so many samples, and I had to get through them quickly. So that's why I say the first five seconds is so important. Unfortunately, um, you know, starting off with chapter, whatever name of the chapter, doesn't help a whole lot for casting. So I would say there's an opportunity. We can cut that, jump right into the story. I want to hear right away the storytelling uh, and get into the characters. Uh, because once you did that, I was like, okay, I'm with you. I'm I'm a fan of classic D&D. So I'm like, ooh, Tasselhoff, Burfoot, right on. Uh, so I was following you there. I knew the character. Um, yeah, so so I think this the uh, tone that you used was very you know appropriate for the genre, this fantasy lit RPG D&D kind of world. Uh, it worked really well. You definitely uh, are very knowledgeable and comfortable in this in this world and in this genre. So, I mean, great, great sample overall. I would just say beware of that first five seconds and cut out the stuff you don't need. Uh, also, feel free to lean in a little bit to the fantasy and kind of, you know, uh, discover this world as the, as the narrator, uh, bringing your listener into the scene as well. So overall, really good. Just uh, be aware of that, that beginning. And I'd say just cut a little bit, cut a little bit off the, off the front and you're good to go. One thing I would add, um, and again, this comes from a, perf- I'm going to come from the performance um, aspect of this is one of the things that I like to do, and you brought this up, Steve, actually, there's a point to this that I want to circle back to what you talked about, is allowing the listener to hear the author's words, see the author's words through their eyes, right? So there is a lot of action in this scene, a lot. And as a narrator is sharing what's happening, I want to look left and I want to see the dwarf is is out cold. And, and then I want you to be like, oh my God. And then over there, and I, I want to move, I want the scene to happen. Yes, audibly, but I want to visually see it through your words. And, and, and I agree with you that it can, when you kind of come off one note, I miss that opportunity to look around and really take in what's happening, take in the action of the scene. So from a performance background, being able to, as this, as you're narrating to go, have levels. That's the word I'm looking for. This is happening over here. I'm not saying you need to necessarily like get loud and get soft and those kinds of things, but this is happening here. And then also this is happening here there instead of just trying to keep it totally one note, but you know, but not distracting, but there's just an opportunity to provide a little more levels and action for the listener. I agree completely. All right, moving on to our third sample. I open the door. Before I utter word one, Ibsen says, Carrie Sullivan is dead. Then he delivers his verbal left hook. And I firmly believe your actions were a contributing factor. What? Carrie's dead? It takes me a second to process the rest of Ibsen's accusations. I'm sorry Carrie's dead, but how can you possibly blame me for her heart attack? Do you deny ordering five panicked seniors to crowd into a claustrophobic bathroom? Those elderly folks were blind to what was happening, convinced they would die. I wonder more of them didn't have heart attacks. Yes, I blame you, and I've already told Miss Sullivan's loved ones they should sue you. I went by the book for an active shooter situation, got people in the safest space available. Anyone with a brain would have done the same thing. Ted's hand clamps my shoulder and exerts serious pressure to short-circuit my diatribe. Deputy Ibsen, do you have a warrant? Are you here to arrest anyone? If not, you are not welcome. Get out. 
All right. Uh, yeah, great, great, great. Okay. So I, I thought this one had a, a nice beginning. We jumped right into the story. Um, let's see the character of, what was his name? I wrote it down. Ibsen. Um, at first, when we first heard the character speak, sounded a little bit closer to the narrator's uh, voice. And so we want to be careful because later on, um, I did hear that that character get a little bit more fleshed out, a little more distinctive. Uh, so, you know, the deeper we got into it. So I would say just be aware of that and really, really come in strong with those characters right off the bat uh, so that we know who they are, that they're distinctive from each other, from the narrator and, uh, and, and keep them consistent throughout. I, I liked what you were doing with, uh, with the accent. Uh, that was fun. And, you know, accents can be a lot of a fun, a really fun way to, to make those distinctive characters. Uh, so I think, you know, some, some good choices, um, just come in strong with the character at the beginning. And what else was I going to say? Oh, take your time a little bit. You know, I, I felt like this was just slightly rushed and we can, we can take a little bit more time to kind of let it breathe a little bit. Uh, so that would be what I would say. Um, yeah, keep the characters consistent and come in strong right off the top. I would only add to that one. I concur on pace. It, it did feel rushed. I also, I'm going to make an assumption though. I should not that this talent did some quite a bit of editing. There were uh, not many conversations happen where one person's talking and then the next person already talks like this. And then the next, there was a lot of jumping on lines that felt like, and I'm guessing there were some opportunities where the talent or someone may have taken out breaths or edited spaces. So to your point, Steve, not only do we need to, to maybe slow down a little so I can actually grasp <laughs> the conversation, but between speakers, right, between characters, there has to be a thought. There, There's no, I mean, unless you're Amy, what's her name, who does Gilmore Girls and people can just talk back and forth at lightning speed normally there's usually a beat. So don't over edit folks. That's, that's going to be my comment for this. I probably should have said at the beginning and, and didn't think to, as I was going through and just, you know, putting everything into a folder where I could play from the levels, I'm not changing the volume on my speakers. I haven't touched any of these files, but one that was exceptionally low and needed to be um, bumped up. So I will, I will preface that playback with that information at that time. So here is our next artist. Next to the blackboard, the classroom door flew open and hit the wall with a bang. The girls jumped again, including Sonia. The sound was as loud as a gunshot, the doorknob crashing into the wall. There was no one in the doorway, nothing to see beyond it but an empty hall. Let me in, a voice said. Mrs. Peabody dropped her ruler. There was a breath of silence in the room, a waft of cold air down the back of Sonia's neck. What was that? Sonia looked around. Rose Perry had her hand over her mouth, her eyes wide. Charlotte Kankel was gripping the sides of her desk with a white-knuckled hold. Had everyone heard it, or was it just her? What is this? Mrs. Peabody nearly shouted, her voice harsh and shrill. Fear. Sonia realized. She recognized fear. It was crawling through the depths of her own stomach right now. Is this some kind of prank? The teacher stared at them, her eyes blazing. The room was silent. Even Katie didn't speak. Sonia stared at the open square of doorway. 
What if something is coming? <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. This um, definitely, clearly from the the horror or mystery genres, um, which is fantastic, right? Because if if you're using this for a sample to try to pitch yourself uh, to get work, it should be very clear what genre that you're aiming for, you know, the tone, which was very, very present. I, I goosebumps uh, listening to this. I'm like, uh-oh, what's about to happen next? And and why did that happen? Because of some really good things that were present in um, building that tension uh, with, with, with the way that this narrator used, you know, pacing and pausing for dramatic effect. Really, really nicely done. Um, the characters were really fun. And I thought, ooh, I want to hear more of uh, not only of those characters, but I want to hear what else this narrator does with character voices um, right off the bat. I, and I always say this when I'm coaching uh, actors is you grabbed my attention and you did not let go the whole time. I was like, please play more. Jen, can we hear seven minutes of the sample? You know, I, I wanted to hear more because it was a very engaging story right off the bat. Um, well chosen cutting too. That's, that's also part of when we put together our samples, you get to choose as the narrator what text you're using. So this was very well chosen, I thought, from the very beginning and I'm sure all the way through the end. Um, so yeah, think think about these things as you're putting together your samples. You, you get to choose where it starts, how many characters are in it, how they speak, and you can actually do a little bit of editing too. You can rewrite slightly uh, because you know, you're not rewriting the entire book. You're just making a really effective sample, which is what I think this was. Um, yeah, that's about all I have to say. It was it was really fun to listen to, and I'd love to hear more. Steve, I want to get your opinion on this, because we talk about pacing, and often pacing is, um, I'm going to use Obama example, where it's sentence, active pause, keeping your attention, I'm still talking, maybe I take another pause, right, okay, so we talk about pacing that way, but what I want to know from you, when we have a conversation in real life, we're a stream of conscious, right? Like I can just, I can keep talking. I know what I want to say next. Maybe I don't know what I want to say next, but I could just keep going and I could talk like this and it comes off a little fast, right? For me, I was f so focused on trying to, I, I felt like the conversation was fast, not the pacing because she absolutely did everything you were saying. Like I, we all went, ooh. <laughs> When she did the, you know, um, when the voice, you know, sounded from the hallway. But I felt like I was trying to go back and and as she was speaking, I'll be I'll articulate, I swear. I was trying to remember what she said so I could set the scene. Because again, I'm very visual when it comes to the audiobook. So I'm curious, do you encourage narrators to keep the pacing, meaning kind of the gaps and things, but do you have them actually slow down? these conversational parts of narration. Am I making sense? Because it just felt fast and I felt like I was trying to mm -hmm. focus on what she just said versus just sitting back and enjoying the narration. Yeah, Help. no, absolutely. I, yeah, I get what you're saying and, and definitely it was a faster pace, but I think for this specific sample, I, I felt that it was effective okay. because it added to that kind of frenetic, you know, tense energy of, of the scene and of the genre. Okay. Um, so I didn't find myself losing track, but you're right though. Oftentimes that can be a trap if we just keep on going and going and going. And oftentimes I think it is, it is partly pace 
mixed with just reading the words on the page and not thinking yeah. about how it gets delivered. So I think this narrator um, was okay at, at the faster okay. pace. Yeah. Right. Thank Good you. question. All right. Up next. Lakin pulled his car up to the courthouse, where he saw the jail was also located. The parking spaces were all empty. He trudged out of the car, slipping slightly on the slick sidewalk as he approached the front door. It was locked. He turned around, shrugging his oversized coat up around his ears, breathing through clenched teeth until his gums were cold and dry. An SUV pulled into the parking space behind him, and a man casually exited the vehicle, making his way up the stairs to where Lakin stood. Mr. Douglas? The man who approached was dressed in a police bomber jacket, with a silver star embroidered on his jacket and the word sheriff above. He was tall with a thick beard and equally thick hair that curled out from beneath the beanie on his head. His nose was narrow and slightly crooked. Sheriff Lowell? Lakin asked quietly, reaching forward to put out a hand. That's me. Call me Shaw, please. Welcome to Rotten Fork. Okay, yeah. Very interesting. Again, another one that I would love to hear more of because I'm like, okay, this sounds like an interesting story. Um, right off the bat, uh, I, I really like the, the the tone of this narrator. I think you very, very well fit. This person's voice fits this genre really well. Um, just everything about your natural delivery, I think, fits. Um, one thing off the bat, uh, toward the beginning, you you said, what was the line? He trudged out of the car, slipping slightly on the slick sidewalk. First of all, a lot of alliteration going on there. Um, but that's an opportunity there with with all those descriptive words, like you said before, uh, Jen, with setting the scene, where we can we can kind of take our time a little bit with those. We don't have to draw it out forever. But what does trudged mean versus walking? Right? It's a very specific term. Um, and slipping slightly. Uh, so it's like, you know, there's a little bit of uneasiness there, whereas the delivery kind of suggested it was it was even and comfortable. And so sometimes it's OK to get, you know, to put your listener in, uh, in in those different places of kind of experiencing what the character is experiencing. So, in other words, pull us into the story by really leaning into those descriptive words. So there's an opportunity to play with that a little bit. Um, and then later on, I think it was the sheriff. What did I write down? Lowell, I believe. Uh, and he says, Mr. Douglas, uh, really, really nice. I, I like the first time, you know, when, when he speaks and he's got that distinctive, you know, voice. But again, we can lean into that even a little bit more, too, I feel. You know, by using imagination and visualization, really see what does this character look like? How does he, what's his posture, you know, what's his energy and all those things we could tap into to make him distinctly different from the narrator who, in this case, I'm trying to remember if this was first or second or first or third person. Um, no, I think it was third person. So the narrator and the hero, you know, all the characters should be distinctive from each other and from the narrator's voice in this case. So just be be careful with that. So there's an opportunity to just kind of play with the characters, uh, different vocal qualities, accents, attitudes, all that kind of stuff. Um, I really like what, what this narrator did at first. Like I said, I want to hear more. I would just say, take what you're doing and bring it even further. That's what I've got. So, Steve, let me ask you this. Is it up to i'm assuming it's a, and it's an agreement between the narrator and the author the degree to which you alter character voices so i've heard audiobooks where it could be a female 
voice and and maybe there is a male character and it's just dropping my voice a little to do this. And then when I go to another one, I do this. For this narrator to maybe kind of keep it again, one note, kind of keeping everybody this, you know, does a narrator have to really make a difference in the character voices? Can it just be subtle? Is it up to the author as to what they see? Can you speak to that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, there seems to be kind of like those, those two main schools of thought, right? Um, personally, myself as a narrator, I'm, I'm definitely a very much a character actor. And so my characters tend to be a little, you know, more strongly distinctive from each other. And that's just my style. And I, I recognize that that excludes me from certain books, certain, you know, people don't like that. They don't like them too strong. But I've also learned to make my characters a little more subtle over time, too. So even if they're distinct from each other, they're not quite as big and over the top like you would have in, you know, animation or something like that. Um, so overall, I would say subtle is fine as long as it's clear who's speaking, right? So it can be a subtle shift. As long as that subtle shift is obvious every time that character jumps back in. Does that make sense? That is a perfect distinction. Let it be there, big or big or subtle, but but then it also has to happen consistently throughout the whole book. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> My first reaction to that was I was super impressed that he got through the slipping slightly on the slick sidewalk. That would have ended up on my blooper reel for the year. Do authors not understand we need as few S words as possible? Could they please accommodate us narrators going forward? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, next up. New York City, 1924. The long, drawn-out wail of a trumpet could hide almost anything. The breathless conversation in the middle of a dance when one partner's lips were so close to the other's ear, just long enough for a whispered invitation. Meet me in the alley? Greeted with either a slap or a smile that meant yes. The girl who slipped up to the bar, who didn't have any money, not with the wages they paid at the factory, but who looked like she needed that little bit of living the nightingale could provide. So the bartender poured a drink anyway and winked as he slid it over. The stammered invitation, oh, 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 would you like to dance, of a new boy, still unfailingly polite, before he learned to grin sideways and place a hand on his heart, pleading, dust off your shoes, doll. No one can catch a quick step like you. All right. Uh, so again, looking at that first five seconds, <clears throat> I wrote down, New York City, 1924, the long drawn out wail of a trumpet could hide almost anything. So I think that was a good um, choice to start there, really setting not only where we are, but when we are so that later on I heard a little bit of I think there was maybe two characters that I heard that briefly spoke. Um, and I heard a little bit of that kind of, you know, uh, mid-Atlantic kind of thing coming through, um, you know, dust off your I can't remember what the line was. I, I didn't write the whole thing down. Yeah, like um, dust off your shoes, doll, or something. Yeah. yeah, dust off your shoes, doll, you know. And so that was great. That was fun. Again, personally, for me, I would love to for you to take that even further as far as making it uh, a little bit stronger, more distinct. 
But that's my personal preference. I think what you did was enough to make the character distinct from the narrator. So good. Um, let's see here. What else did I write down? Uh, definitely sounded like you were enjoying what you were reading, um, which is great because that that makes listeners typically want to hear more. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's this moment at... What, the, what was the line? Meet me in the alley, right? Um, where I, I kind of heard the narrator lean in a little bit to their microphone, which is great. You know, that, that that's a really good little technique to, to make a moment feel a little bit more intimate. You know, meet me in the alley. But so, so I like the technique of leaning in. However, I felt like that could have been a little bit more playful. Think about what's the con, what, what's the subtext, right? What is this person saying that they're not saying? You know, like meet me in the alley for what, you know, uh, what is this person hoping to get out of this interaction? And, and we can hear a little bit of that kind of implied, um, when, when we lay a little bit of that kind of subtext on there. So, uh, yeah, so I would say opportunities, you know, take your time a little bit, um, make it feel a little bit more like, like you're relaying this story to, to somebody who wants to hear it. Um, yeah. So, so tell a story. Don't just read the words on the page. Overall, I think this is a good start, but yeah, I would say take it even further as far as distinguishing the characters from the narrator and I have lost my thoughts. That That's that's what I've got. Well, I'll jump in. One of the things for me, again, this is all subjective, but one of the things for me, you talked about reading from the page and I did feel that there was some reading from the page because what was, what was my ear was hearing was a lot of hills and valleys, right? Okay. So there was a lot of da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Sing songy. Sing songy. That's a great way. And often that's what happens when we're not really connected with the material. Our natural flow is to just come up and down and then up and down and up. And so not mad, not bad, but there also were any level changes. When I was talking about earlier, the the gentleman who was, who was setting my scene, I mean, this is the 1920s. I mean, we're golden era. This is, this is cool. And, and this is New York. And like, let's maybe it, it wasn't, although for some people it was a happy time <laughs> for a lot of people, it wasn't. And if you're talking about dark alleys and bars, I would evoke a little more smooth, cool, not hills and valleys, not sing songy. And, and I, again, connecting with the text in a way that visually lets me, I want to look around the room. I want to look, I want to see down the alley and, oh my gosh, that guy's about to get mugged. And I want to go over here and I want to see, you know, the hooker at the end of the bar and she's about to get a drink and the bartender's flirting with her. And then there's the slick guy with his, you know, hair slicked back and his pinstripe suit, you know, who wants to take me dancing. So just, again, slowing down, setting the stage, but then giving me some levels that connect me visually with what with what's happening. I agree with that completely. And I'm kind of the technical voice in the room. Um, I felt like we had some edits that made it sound like it was being pieced together instead of letting it breathe, like we talked about earlier. Um, so I would just watch that. I mean, even if, when you're reading a story in your head and you're reading it off a page, you're still breathing and you're still pausing. So I want to hear that when I'm listening to an audiobook as well. But I love the tone of her voice for a story set in this sure. era. Little gravel in her throat. Yeah. It, yeah, for me, that was perfect. All right, um, we've got our next sample. This counterintuitive principle recurs frequently in the New Testament. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10 verse 8, Freely you received, freely give. And in Luke chapter 12 verse 48, From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. Paul tells Timothy to pass on what he received, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, and he summarizes Jesus' teaching as, It is more blessed to give than to receive, Acts chapter 20 verse 35. God gives to us, and we are stewards of what he has given, responsible for freely passing it on to others. All right, yeah, that, that's it? <laughs> I wanted to hear more. Um, I feel like I've heard this book somewhere before. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> There's a few more chapters. Yeah, I well, okay. So, I mean, that that's a good sign, right? If, if you want to hear more, that's always the goal. Um, so it starts off, I, I wrote down in the first five seconds, this counterintuitive principle recurs frequently in the New Testament. So, first of all, uh, really setting up, obviously, okay, New Testament. If you're familiar with the Bible, that tells us, okay, you're going to be talking about the Bible, spirituality, religion, that kind of thing. Um, so right off the bat, uh, that was helpful to kind of frame the rest of what we were going to hear. Also, uh, the delivery in which um, this narrator uh, gave us that line was very, I felt, inviting, warm, comforting, uh, real kind of steady pace. I, I felt like we talked about earlier, Jen, about you know leaving a little bit of a pause, just enough space so that the listener can keep track, can, can keep up and digest the information that we just heard. I felt like overall that was accomplished. If anything, maybe we could just leave a little bit more space after thoughts, after um, you know a longer section of information, um, just to make sure that we're not losing anybody and we, we're not sitting there thinking back like, wait, what did I just hear? Right? So we, we never want to go back and have to try to remember what we just heard. Um, but overall, I thought it was really comfortable. Um, felt like a, like a college professor or a pastor, you know, delivering like a real kind of gentle, you know, sermon or something like that. Um, that's about all I've got because I, I just really sat back and enjoyed it. I thought it was really easy listening. So there you go. I completely agree. I thought it, what you said, it was warm, comforting. What a, what a challenging topic to, to, um, to tackle. And I, I, I thought it was compelling. And I liked the meditative aspect of it. You know, this isn't, this isn't a topic that you'd be like, and then, and then, and then you know, and real excited about, you know, you could be excited, but for the most part, this is tough, you know, tough material. So I like that. One of the things I want to point out that I've noticed in JT, you've probably noticed too, as being our audio ears today, our technical ears today, I'm not hearing a lot of plosives. I'm, I'm not hearing a lot of background noise. I mean, from that aspect, would you agree these samples are sounding pretty clean, even if some have been a little over-edited? Yeah, I would agree. Um, everybody's been great with room noise and levels and... Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, we are, oh my gosh, if you can believe it, we are past the half hour. So if you all have just joined us, we are VO Booth Besties, and this is our VO 101 series. And today we're providing live feedback on audiobook narration samples, both fiction and nonfiction, uh, based on our most recent episode with voice talent and audiobook narrator, Steve Corona. Thanks for joining us, and let's get back to the discussion. So do we have our next sample, JT? Yep. Waking Up Dead by Amanda Fasciano. Chapter 2. The Hardest Part of Goodbye 
is saying it. The memories of who Andy was and how close they had been came flooding back. A few months after they had been partnered, she and Andy had traded keys to each other's homes. Just in case. That had been six and a half years ago. They had been partners, best friends, and confidants, but had always managed to stay just this side of the line that led to them being something more. As Caden stood in her apartment, looking around the living room, she thought it seemed a little strange. Somehow, her death had made it seem more foreign to her. She was looking at the place now not as her home, but as if she was visiting someone else's. She knew that Andy had been here to collect her cat. Snow had told her that much. The lack of the little furball in the apartment was very obvious to Cadence. Uh, again, you know, this is another one where I heard right in the first five seconds, the title of the book, the author, the chapter, we can cut all of that out. Of course, if you're actually narrating the book, obviously you need to record it at that point. But for a sample, I would cut it all out and get straight to the story because otherwise, um, you know, some casting people will hear that and say, ooh, nope, moving on, next. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be mean or, or rude or whatever, but that's just the honest, you know, truth of it. Um, so. I would cut that stuff out, get right into it. Uh, overall, I think I wanted to hear more because I was like, okay, this this could be an interesting story. Where are we going with this? Um, one thing I wanted to hear a little bit more of was kind of discovery. And I think, Jen, you, you touched on this a little bit before with a different sample of sort of seeing what's happening in the scene as narrator and letting us as listener in on that as you find these things out rather than already kind of knowing this happened then this happened and she's walking through the room and it looks like this rather than making it so matter of fact um we can discover and and let that affect you as the storyteller and kind of you know lead us as listener to how we should feel about it now again that's not necessarily like leading us by the nose and and making it so obvious but a little bit of a reaction to things as you uncover them uh, helps to engage the listener and keep our interest and make us wanting more. So uh, that would be what I would say for an opportunity. Um, again, uh, technically, it just I, I heard, you know, again, another nice, clean audio sample. So I didn't hear anything, you know, uh, jarring as far as the technical goes. What else was I going to say? Oh, Snow. Snow. Is, is Snow the cat? I think Snow is maybe the cat. Did we hear Snow talk or we just heard Snow referred to? I can't remember. Just referred to. Okay. Okay. Um, cause there again would be another opportunity if, if we could hear one of the characters talk instead of the entire thing being narration. And, and again, I know you're, you're cutting this short and maybe the full sample has more, uh, dialogue in it, but, uh, I would love, again, there, there's another point is that even if it is a longer sample, we should try to get the dialogue a little bit closer to the beginning so we can hear the, the characters right away, uh, and not be left wondering, like, I wonder what eventually these, these characters are going to sound like, right? So there you go. That's my notes. All right, uh, moving on to our next sample. I feel a cold shiver run through me, as though Mr. Black himself and a ghostly vapor were pushing me aside. Get out of my way. I remember the bruises on Giselle's arms. Oh, it's nothing I can't handle. I do love him, you know. That ghastly man bowled me over every time I crossed him in the suite or in the hallways, as though I were an insect or a pest that deserved to be quashed. I see him in my mind's eye, a vile, beady-eyed creature, smoking a vile, malodorous cigar. I feel a pulse of anger beat at my temples. Where is Giselle supposed to go now? What is she supposed to do? I wonder as much about Giselle as about myself. 
Mr. Rosso issued more threats this morning. Pay the rent or get evicted. My home. This job. They are all I have left. I feel the prick of tears that I do not need right now. Alrighty. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it was just me on my end, but I thought I heard like at least a second or a couple seconds at the beginning of, of, of silence or just at least of not starting. Um, and so be aware of that. Again, if we're talking about some casting directors will literally listen for the first three to five seconds. And if they hear nothing or if if it takes you a while to get going, they might have already moved on. They might have already said, OK, well, I don't hear anything. So moving on to the next sample. So just be aware of that. You know, when we're editing our samples together, don't leave too much space at the top. So that's just a technical note there. Uh, let's see here. What did I write down for the first five? I feel a cold shiver run through me. OK, um, let's see here. I, I felt, you know, a, a little bit of a cold shiver. I'm like, okay, this is, is kind of setting the, the tone. I Again, I think we had a sample like this earlier of I wasn't sure exactly what genre this was. I felt like maybe it was fiction of some sort. But um, that, again, goes to, you know, sample selection. So think about what about your samples could indicate that very clearly what genre this is, what the mood should be. Um, okay, what else did I write down for my notes here? Oh, Mr. Black. Uh, what does he say? Get out of my way. Um, I felt Mr. Black was um, not very distinctive as far as being sounding differently from the narrator. So we want to make sure that, again, going back to that discussion of distinctive character voices, making them distinctive enough so we know that it is another character speaking and not not the narrator. Uh, so let's see here. So just be aware of that. Uh, overall, I think the opportunity for me with this is taking those character voices just a little bit further. Um, I think you have a very, really good start on what you're doing here. I would just develop it a little bit more, uh, play with it. There's so many things we can, we can use, right? Vocal qualities and characteristics and accents and, and energy and volume and all those different things to, to really, you know, get, get different distinctive characters. Uh, that's what I would say. So that's my notes. One of the things you touched on earlier with a gentleman who was narrating about, you know, the the slippery soap and the thing, you know, and, and, and that you were using the action word and then you'd be able to use audibly show that. And in this passage, I felt the same thing applies. That literally, this narrator said the words vile probably three times, just like vile is just vile. Vile could be the sun. Vile could be pretty. Vile could be just, it didn't, it didn't have, again, intention and purpose and, and visual. So it could be vile. I mean, vile and, and that cigar, God, it was disgusting. You know, I mean, again, it doesn't have to be over the top, but you're right. Push it a little, give me, use the words. One of the things that I think, not, I think, I know when a listener doesn't hear that connection. It is often because you you just you have to connect with the copy. And Steve, you spoke on this the other day. You have to do your work. You have to prepare. You have to prep. So what happens a lot of times is when you're there's not a distinction between the characters. It's because you may not may not always, but you may not have prepped and c decided. You know, Steve talked about his process where he's like, I write them down. I even make a sample that every time I'm going to, you know, Mr. Black speaks, this is what Mr. Black's going to sound like. And you can go back and double check that to make sure. So often when you might be kind of speeding through it, you might forget 
or you might have not prepped as well as you could have to make those distinctive voices so that it happens consistently because that's what will happen is you'll forget and you're going to be five chapters in, 10 chapters in, and then Mr. Black comes back and you're like, wait, and who, you do not want to go back all the way to the beginning and re-listen to your, you know, all of your narration. So for me, when I hear kind of what feels a little rushed or the distinctions aren't there, it could be that is maybe a little more preparation, a little more connection could happen. Absolutely. And if I could just real quick jump in and reiterate, um, for me, if I see multiple characters that are going to be having a conversation in a section coming up that I'm going to be narrating, um, I'll pause. I'll I'll stop the recording. I'll I'll talk as those characters back and forth. Even sometimes I might improvise a little conversation between them just to make sure that I'm really getting the feel for these characters so that when I'm speaking the dialogue that's written on the page, it feels more natural. It sounds like it's coming from those characters. Uh, And then it's easier for me to jump between the the narration and the characters. So yeah, you're absolutely right, Jen. Um, Just taking that time to, to, to prepare. And sometimes that means kind of rehearsing the scene a little bit right before you're about to record it. I find that to be really helpful. I did that the other day, you know, I was recording a book with, uh, this chapter had four characters all in one scene that were talking back and forth to each other. They all had to sound very distinctive and I, I forgot. I'm like, Oh, what does this character sound like? So I had to remind myself. So, you know, it's just, it's just part of, you know, going back, reminding yourself, practicing, and then jumping in recording when you're ready. So that's it. I think what I heard was, that she was just kind of holding back. I think when we jump from maybe commercial into narration, in commercial, we're just supposed to be casual and and real. I feel like she's trying to keep herself at bay and not letting herself really dig into the characters as much as she could. Um, and I, I think that maybe just comes with with time and with experience like letting yourself go a little more over the top in narration. All right, so next. The spiritual person. The hallmark of a spiritual person is awareness or the ability to be awake. Being awake requires focus. That is, the ability to be present and focused in physical reality while simultaneously being aware of essence and the other planes of consciousness. Outlined in this chapter are a number of goals or aims of being more awake. Wakefulness is an essence activity, whereas being asleep is a basic function of false personality. Metaphorically speaking, being asleep refers to the act of going through life automatically and mechanically without self-awareness and without examining choices. You may pour effort and determination into making great amounts of money or climbing to a position of great power in your profession. You can achieve this and still remain asleep because you are driven by false personality goals to survive at all costs. All righty. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a, a pretty good example of a, of a nonfiction, I, I'm guessing some kind of spirituality, self-help maybe uh, genre. So I, I think well-defined um, of what we are about to listen to just from the beginning of, I mean, the words I wrote down, the spiritual person, the hallmark of a spiritual person is awareness. Um and so right away, it's very clear what, what we're going to be listening to. I think this narrator had a very articulate, well-read, pleasant and inviting uh, delivery, um, really comfortable, slightly up-tempo, sounded like maybe they're on a mission a little bit, which is fine. But just beware that if we go a little bit too fast, we might 
going back to what we said before, start to lose our listener uh, at times. So I would encourage, I think the biggest opportunity here with the sample was that we could work on maybe lengthening a little bit those pauses in between uh, thoughts. And also, not just the length of time in between, but transitioning thoughts. So I wrote down at one point, um, the narrator said, outlined in this chapter, right? So, okay, I'm telling you what you're about to hear. But right before that, I can't remember what was said right before that, but it was it was a different kind of train of thought, right? And like you said before, Jen, when we we're just kind of talking um, in in real life and we're, we're talking, we're talking, and then, oh yeah, this other thought occurred to me. Let me switch tracks real quick. There's that kind of moment of, oh, hold on a second. Let me go over here real quick. And so that's something that's so natural to humans that sometimes we don't even think about it, but it's natural to the way that we communicate. And so when we don't hear that, that transition of thought, uh, it takes us a second to realize, oh, we're going somewhere else with this. So we don't want it to sound too red off the page, right? We want to hear, I'm talking about this, talking about this. So by the way, in this chapter, we're going to outline such and such. So taking that kind of moment to switch tracks, I think, for me, was was the biggest opportunity that this narrator could do to elevate this sample. Otherwise, I felt, you know, the, the tone was really pleasant, easy to listen to, uh, and fit the genre really well. I agree. And just to your point, there was one part right at the end where this narrator, and again, this is is making sure you've read it and you know the direction you're going, because you're right. There were several trains of thought changes. And one of the things that was interesting to me, there was a right at the end, it was, and you can do this because something, something, something. But what was really interesting is the emotion, the, what I heard was like this inspirational moment, you know, and actually that, and it, it was just a fact. And instead the tone, the approach that the narrator took was, but you can do this because you know what? You know how to sleep. And it was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's not actually how you would say that, you know, or whatever it was. It, so for me, we were, we were going on a train of thought that didn't necessarily meet, like this should have been a little bit more explanatory um, in this particular part I'm talking about. And it was coming off as like this inspirational moment. I was like, wait, are we, is this nonfiction? And we're trying to, you know, get information across Anyway, so it's just something to think about. Again, everyone, this is all subjective. These are, you know, all of our simply opinions and we all listen differently um, and we relate differently. So for me, this, I thought it was great tone, sound, delivery. There were just a few places where maybe be a little more thoughtful in what you're emoting for the text. That's it. Okay, our next sample, uh, this is the one that I had to really bump up because the levels were coming in peaking at minus 27. So it was really low. This is bumped up by 16 and it's it's still gonna be a little bit low. So um, if you are in the audience or you're listening to this playback, just keep this in mind when you're recording in the future. Just as Dora had settled onto the banks of the creek to pull off her slippers, however, an elegant male voice spoke from behind her. Oh, little girl, it sighed. How like your mother you look. Dora turned her head curiously, wiggling her bare toes in the cold water before her. The man behind her had appeared quite out of nowhere, and surely there had to be magic involved, because his long, white coat was unstained by his surroundings. 
and his eyes were the fairest shade of pale blue that she had ever seen before. Being an imaginative little girl, Dora was not surprised to note that his ears were very gently pointed at the tips. But she was very surprised to see that he was wearing at least four jackets of different cut and color, all layered carelessly atop one another. Wow, this was really, really fun. Um, the volume issue aside, yes, thank you, Jen. That's absolutely a technical issue to be aware of. Uh, we want to make sure that everything's at the right level. But um, thank you for bumping that up because what I heard was really, really fun. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, personal preference. I'm a character actor and I love those bigger characters. I really like what this this narrator's doing with the characters. I didn't feel like they were too big, but but uh, very appropriate for the genre. And here's the thing, too, because this was clearly some kind of fantasy genre. And I thought, you know what? You, I think personally, you can get away with slightly bigger characters in fantasy. Um, it's kind of leaning a little bit more, you know, video game animation kind of uh, realm there. So I liked a lot the characters. I think that was definitely this this narrator's strength. Um, very distinctive between narration and characters. Uh, let's see here. What else did I write down? Uh, oh, 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 yes. So as we mentioned before. Um, just be mindful of when we are putting our cutting together that we're going to record the beginning. I heard the word however in there and that are immediately got my mind thinking, however, what, 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 what are we howevering? Um, so, so just be aware of that. And, and you could easily have just rewritten that first sentence to take the however out. And then the listener's not sitting there thinking like, wait, wait, what did I miss, right? We never want to miss anything. We want to jump in thinking like, okay, this is the beginning of this little micro story uh, that I'm about to hear. So just be aware of that. Um, let's see. Overall, I definitely wanted to hear more. I was like, ooh, this is fun. I could listen to this book for sure. Um, very present. Oh, yeah. As a storyteller, I don't think we really talked too much about this yet, but being present as storyteller, it felt to me like you were in this fantasy world, kind of reaching out to me as listener and saying like, ooh, this is fun. Come into the story with me. You want to come along and see everything that I'm seeing. And so like just the way that the, the setting was described and everything um, really made me feel like you were pulling me in, which is what I want as a listener. If I'm listening to an audiobook sample and I'm kind of auditioning it, like, should I buy this one? Should I use my Audible credit for this? And I hear that kind of thing in the sample. I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to give this one a try. So overall, Really well done. I would just pay attention to how it starts and maybe do a slight edit, but really well done. I agree. I thought the pacing was fantastic. I thought it was articulate. What I think happened, and I'm and I I'm with you on the however. It made me kind of make a face. I was like, ah, what happened? But it's to me, it sounded like the person didn't know, just read through, because the however I think fit. It's just they went. I was wearing socks. I was wearing socks. However, no, it, it's like they just said, however, like the end of the sentence. And that's and I think that's what threw me off. But it could have been an edit. And you're right. There was one other spot where there was where it sounded like a glitch. And, and I think you heard it, too, about something. They were wearing four coats. And then there was some and it just sounded like click. I don't know what it was. It just sounded, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know what you're talking about. And I heard it. I remember taking a little bit of a note and I was going to say something. And then I thought, but you know what, though, in that case, it didn't bother me enough to say, oh, that's something you should fix. It was more like, OK, that's OK. You, you, you stuttered a little bit, but then you fixed it and just kept on going to the to the point where I was like, yeah, you're human. Great. 
you know? So actually, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Okay, great. Now, I liked it. I liked it too. But I also love fantasy. Bring on the pointy ears. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Bring it on. All right. Um, This is timing out perfectly. If everybody can stick around for just a Maybe three minutes past the top of the hour. We've got two left to listen to and uh, three minutes left in the hour. So here we go. It was a house, not a home. There was a vague emptiness that hung in the air, a loneliness that haunted the rooms. What do the two of you need with a five-bedroom house anyway? Maggie's mother had sniffed when she first came round to visit. As far as I knew, she'd hardly visited her daughter in the year since. Maybe that would change now that Tommy was out of the picture. Maggie stuck the kettle on the stove, and I took a seat at the large oak kitchen table. You all right with tea, or do you want something stronger to go with it? She plunked a bottle of Lamb's Navy in front of me, fetched two glasses, and was generous with her measure. She took the seat across from me and pulled Cecil into her lap as we waited for the kettle to boil. What are you thinking, Lee? I'm wondering. I stopped, lit a cigarette, and took a hefty swig of the rum, knowing that I had to go ahead and spit the words out. Did you do it? I'm leaving it there for mystery. Oh, man. (laughs) I want to hear more. Uh, Again, yeah, uh... A plus for achieving the effect of making the listener want to hear more because I definitely do. Um, these characters again were beautiful. I loved the the subtle but yet very clear and distinctive difference between them. Man, was it a, a mother, a grandmother, the the older uh, female character? I mean, just her energy was just spot on. I was like. Wow, I've met this woman, you know, and that's how specific and and clear our characters should be. Um, I feel like perhaps this narrator had someone very specific in mind, especially for that character. Uh, and that's very helpful if you know somebody in your real life or you can model your characters on, even if it's a, a famous person, a character out of a movie or something like that to get you started and give you like that, that, that skeleton upon which you can layer all the other interesting facets of humanity. Um, man, it was just so much fun. These characters were... So cool. And I'm like, oh, and that the, the, the British accented character. I'm like, I want to hear more. It's so good. So I I don't have much else to say. Oh, and the, the opening line. OK, talking about the first five seconds. Sorry, going out of order here. Um, It was a house, not a home. And the way that the narrator took their time with it to really set up the mood. And I just was, I don't know. I don't have anything more to say other than I just really enjoyed this and want to hear the entire book. So there you go. I agree. I loved it. And I just have to say, every one of these samples has been so well chosen by the reader for their voice. And I've been impressed by that. Congrats to all of you, because you really, you understand where your voice lives and you picked something that was appropriate for you and what you do. And without further ado, here is our last. Inflation in the United States by John Steele Gordon. Money is just like another commodity, no different from petroleum, pork bellies, or pig iron. So money, like all commodities, can rise and fall in price, depending on supply and demand. 
But because money is, by definition, the one commodity that is universally accepted in exchange for every other commodity, we have a special term for a fall in the price of money. We call it inflation. All right. Yeah. First thing, and this is why we say that the audio quality and performance are both very important. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the first thing I heard was it sounded to me like perhaps this narrator um, could benefit from checking in with somebody like, you know, Georgia Tech or Uncle Roy or somebody who can listen to an audio sample and give them some some specific guidance on their space. To me, it sounded uh, a little hollow or um, maybe even compressed. I'm not sure if it was on the editing side or the recording. I have a feeling it was probably in the, in the space itself. So, so just keep that, you know, um, in mind. Um, and again, this isn't, you know, we're not casting judgment. We're just saying what we hear and, and hopefully this is helpful that you can say, oh, okay, yeah, I need to look into that. Let's, let's just work on that, you know, get our space where it needs to be. Um, Let's see as far as, oh yeah. And again, the beginning, right? Be, be aware that we don't need the title uh, or the author and just let's get right into the meat of it. Uh, but once you got started, you know, it was, it was articulate. I, I think, you know, sounded very intelligently read and like you had a grasp on the subject, which is always important, especially in like a nonfiction genre like this. So I felt like, um, you know, once we kind of get some of those technical issues under control, uh, this this could be a, a very good sample. So uh, keep those things in mind. And uh, thanks for sharing your sample. Yeah, that was my, my biggest comment on this one was just um, something needs to be worked out with the the overall sound. But same thing, she really picked something that was appropriate for her style and technique. And holy cow, we've made it an hour. We had the perfect amount of auditions to listen to, samples to listen to. We thank you so much for being here and for sending your samples in. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, Steve, for being with us. Uh, Be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn. Join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. Replays are all available to listen to on our website, boothbesties.com, on YouTube podcasts, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Be sure to share your comments, like, and subscribe, and sign up for the VO Booth Besties Monday newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. You'll also find a link to discounts from our affiliate partners there as well. Join us Monday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, when our next guest is the wildly talented Gina Scarpa. She's a top-tier voice actor, a coach, an SEO guru, creator of Positive Voices Studio, and so much more. Thank you all again for being with us today and enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.